You're listening to community-supported Acaville Radio, online at acaville.org. Acaville, a wall of sound you won't want to break down. At the top of the hour this hour, acapella in Bend. Bend, Oregon, located in the high desert and among the mountains, is usually known for scenery and skiing. But from February 9th to 11th, it'll also be known for great acapella, as the annual Bend Acapella Festival kicks off. This year reunites Deke Sharon with the group he founded, the House Jacks, in a Friday night concert that will be legendary. Saturday brings a sing-off competition in two divisions, featuring over a dozen groups battling it out. Of course, the festival includes masterclasses with Deke, the House Jacks, and YouTube sensation Peter Hollins. Check it all out over at bendacapellafestival.com. Hello, Acaville fans. Welcome to Tacapella, and not just any episode of Tacapella. This is Tacapella's 50th episode, 5-0. And our guest today is none other than the founder of Acaville, our fearless leader, our own captain on this uh, metaphorical pirate ship of a show. It is Aaron Director. Aaron, thank you so much for coming on Tacapella today. Ahoy, mateys. I've I'm been incorporating join you. I've been incorporating pirates into like everything lately, even though there's like no connection. I don't know. I'm just really feeling pirates, but it kind of goes with the whole gold theme of hey, it's the 50th episode, which is so freaking exciting that uh, I when I started this show, I did not think I would ever reach this number. Um, and it's, it's so exciting and I'm really glad that I get to spend it with you, Aaron, Aaron, uh, for people who don't know you, can you just give them a quick overview of who you are? And then we're going to dive into today's interview, which is all focused on you and Acaville. Wow. First of all, my condolences to the listeners who have to hear a whole show about me. Um, (laughs) you've made uh... that joke. You've made that joke. I think each time you've been on in the three previous episodes, (laughs) It is just as heartfelt each time, I, I promise. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, let's see. I, you, As John mentioned, and by the way, congratulations on the big 5-0, John. This Thank is great. Thank you so much. Um, I uh, was sort of – it was my kind of unhappiness with the acapella sort of recorded world out there that led me to come up with the idea to start Acaville. And uh, before that, you know, I've been doing acapella – related things off and on in various ways since the 1980s, I guess. So a while, uh, sometimes to greater or lesser degree, but uh, that's sort of the the brief backstory of at least the acapella side of my life. Yeah, absolutely. I know coming into uh, Acaville, I was I was so surprised something like uh, this existed. And I think as kind of will be a theme today is talking about Acaville's role, our role in the greater acapella community, what we're doing, where we're going. But first, where we've been. So Aaron, could you tell us a little bit about your, you, you just said you're, you've been doing acapella stuff since the 1980s. Let's dive into that. Cause I'd love to see how your experiences shaped what would become Acaville and how everything's worked out since then. So your first acapella experience ever, five, four, three, two, one, go. <laughs> well, first of all, just by way of preamble, I'm old. Let's just start there. <laughs> you don't, uh, but you do not sound old at all. You have a youthful, youthful voice. I, I appreciate that. And if you were actually a paid member of Acaville and not a volunteer, I would think that was because I was paying you to say that. But it's not. <laughs> so I appreciate that all the more. Um, 
I see for me, it started actually kind of in middle school. I was in middle school in the 1980s, uh, and it was around the time that vocal jazz was becoming big, at least in kind of in my eardrums. And so it was 1984-ish, I guess, that mm -hmm. uh, Manhattan Transfer released uh, Vocalese, uh, which was a pretty great album. Uh, shortly thereafter, Bob McFerrin, a couple years later, released Spontaneous Inventions, which was a, an amazing acapella album. And that, I think, was one of the first things that kind of perked my ears up to what you could do without instruments uh, in a more mm -hmm. contemporary way. And then uh, about that same time, it seems like in 1988-ish maybe, Take Six released their debut album, their self-titled mm -hmm. debut album. And so – and to the listeners, if you haven't listened to anything from that album, we play from it still on the air today. Yeah. Uh, it's it's pretty amazing. I mean in the layers of harmonies and the, the way that they achieve uh, sort of early vocal percussion around that time uh, is, is pretty great. Um, so – I was, just, you know, I was a choir nerd. I was a choir nerd from middle school on elementary school, really even. Um, but it was all sort of chorally focused until mm -hmm. these kind of, you know, opened up my ears a little bit. And uh, then, you know, I'm from the Pacific Northwest, which is not strong acapella yeah. culture. Uh, you know, it's not the Northeast. Let's just be clear. So. There, it wasn't floating around on campuses uh, when I went to college. Um, you know, I I knew of some of the stuff that Deke was doing at the time. He was with the Bubs in the late '80s, and they put Foster Street out around that same time, which was a pretty impressive kind of uh, coming out party of an album that announced kind of what contemporary acapella could be. And so I kind of followed what he was doing, and as he was starting Casa. Um, you know, he was reaching out on a lot of mailing lists and I think probably somewhere in a, an old, you know, f five and a quarter inch floppy someplace. What's a floppy? Email from him from like <laughs> 1990. I know, I know. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, always kind of on the periphery and I went to college for music education among other things. I had a bunch of majors along the way and degrees along the way undergraduate, but um, music ed was, uh, the, you know, did the student teaching thing and taught choir for a little while. And, um, that was around the time that all of the arts programs in schools in Oregon, which is where I was, uh, basically got eliminated, uh, which was unfortunate. Uh, and they're coming back slowly now. They're, they're, they're back more than they were back then, but there was a, some big tax stuff that went down and schools were cutting everywhere. And so it became, kind of obvious to me quickly that it was going to be really hard to actually, you know, eat. Uh, and I, I like that. I like eating. It's a I, big... I like eating too. I have, I yeah. have my lunch right next to me. I'm just kind Perfect. of looking at it. Yes. <laughs> uh, I'll have to say, if you're looking at the food, you're doing it wrong. Yes. Yes. That is true. You, you should be eating, eating the food. Yeah. All right. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so, you know, I sort of fell back on, uh, other avocations and vocations that I had had for a long time in technology and kind of pursued that area within education, but focusing more on tech. Uh, and then fast forward to, you know, the last sort of eight years or so. And as streaming became sort of more of a thing uh, and the streaming services started popping up, naturally I started looking around for where is acapella here. Mm -hmm. uh, and what I found was that, you know, you could start listening to acapella, but the services didn't characterize it that way. And so 
you would listen to one or two acapella tunes and then suddenly you'd get a more vocal instrumental kind of mix tune. And you know, I'm not anti-vocal instrumental, but that just wasn't what I was looking for. Yep. Absolutely. So that, so then Acaville kind of germinated as an idea. And then about four and a half years ago, we kind of started going down that path and we launched about a little over four years ago now. Uh, And the rest, as they say, is history. I think that's a really interesting story, Aaron. And let's let's go like bit by bit. So you said you started in middle school. And honestly, this whole thing sounds eerily similar to my current life path so far, minus the <laughs> lack of, you know, with the music programs in Oregon being better, uh, you know, having kind of recovered For now. Sure. So I'm kind of like, well, what's, what's happening to me then? Um, but so <laughs> you started in middle school, which is where I started choir as well. And so... And, and as well as high school, there were no acapella groups around that or like show choirs or anything that you could join. Is that correct? There wasn't really that kind of outlet at that point? Not not really. There, you know, there were choir choirs. I mean, you know, there were yeah. classical choirs and there were uh, sort of acapella choirs that did classical acapella music, yep. magical. But no, show choir never really was a big thing in the Northwest. I mean, there are a few here and there, but it's not the way the Midwest, you know, sort of adopted it whole whole hog. Um, mm-hmm. Jazz choirs were more of a thing in this part of the country and still are to some degree, but they were accompanied generally, right? Mm-hmm. So it wasn't acapella music. But the thing I dig about the vocal jazz stuff and that I, I really sort of cottoned on to quickly as a kid was the deeper harmonies and the sort of crunchier yeah. chords and the, you know, the ninths, the elevenths, the thirteenths, and the, the sort of the, the additional layers of what the sound felt like. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I suppose I can't let the, the early years go by without mentioning the award-winning element as Tevya in Fiddler on the Roof, <laughs> a, an honor I carry to this day from when I was like 10 years old. Uh, but no, uh, otherwise there wasn't a lot of anything like that. I was in Fiddler on the Roof when I was 13 or yeah, 13 years old, but I was not Tevia, alas. I was the uh I was I was the drunken guy in the corner who which which was a very weird <laughs> role that they let me play considering it was junior high. I, I looking right. back on that and I'm like, "Huh. This this was strange. This was very strange." <laughs> but I think um Hopefully not typecasting as a middle schooler. No, no. I, I At least I hope that's not what they thought they were doing. Um, <laughs> but I, I think it's really interesting, the idea of the concept of an outlet here, because uh, I didn't really have any outlet in middle school. And if you listen to our, an older episode, which you can now do on our uh, membership service with Rob Riday, that stuff's going to be up really soon where he talks about middle school acapella. It sounds like middle school was kind of, and I bet this is similar for a lot of people who don't get exposed to acapella as much that's kind of where your interest can like you said germinate and you kind of start to build up um your tastes but there's not a lot of opportunity it didn't sound like there was a lot of opportunity for you to implement that for me middle school was definitely a time of sort of finding things i was interested in and also you know i i was not an athletic kid i i and i that translates into not being an athletic adult so the Same. you know the places where i found an outlet in middle school and high school and and from there academic and they were artistic cool and okay. so it was you know it was a natural place for me to spend time sort of hovering around music and the arts at school and that's i think helped drive that for 
for me, even if there wasn't really an acapella outlet, at least at the stage. You know? Yeah. And I think that makes a lot of sense because middle school is the time where I think a lot of uh, students and kids are figuring out they, they're becoming more independent. They're figuring out what they want to do and they're developing more specific interests to themselves. Uh, but I'm wondering, like the idea of an outlet for acapella or for singing kids have that nowadays. And I think it's interesting that your uh, interest still kind of was germinating, even though you didn't have a specific group you could join. And I I just think so much of the influence of the uh, culture of kids around them, like they see pitch perfect, they see pentatonics, that stuff, that's great. But if they don't have an outlet, if they can't go out and join a group like how does that kind of affect our acapella culture today going forward and i think obviously if you listen to our episode with rob reday uh i think that was like episode 33 or something like that we talk about the growth of middle school acapella and obviously high schools have more and more acapella groups but i'm just kind of wondering like the importance of having these opportunities for kids because it's so easy if you like soccer i'm going to join an after school soccer thing like in elementary school or in junior high or something like that but access to acapella early on, how does that affect the culture going forward and our potential acapella group, you know, members um, in the future? Yeah. I mean, I think you draw a really nice analogy uh, with, with sports and, and there are, you know, there are feeder teams and you, you, yeah. You know, you start elementary school with maybe a community league or the middle school, you, you start playing as part of the school maybe, but then you have sort of junior varsity and varsity at high school, yeah. and then you can do intramural and other things at college. And so it, it builds this pipeline from a very mm-hmm. early age all the way, hopefully, through being an adult and, you know, joining a, a post-collegiate group and or singing, you know, all the way until you're you're not around on the planet anymore. And I, you know— I'm super excited, and I think you, you talked about it on the the earlier episode that you mentioned that members can listen to anytime on demand. And the the nature of it being at middle school is that you can grab folks when they're really starting to figure out what they're interested in yep. and starting to explore their own, own kind of avocations. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Because um, while I think it's well, I think this is a not by no means a bad experience. You know, so many people who join acapella groups, um, they join for the first time in college because, uh, like when, you mm-hmm. know, when people come in audition, like, well, you know, I've sung before and it turns out they have a great voice and it works out. And be, and I think that's because a lot of these kids might not be interested in just full on choir, which is fine, but acapella groups are usually, and this is, you know, changing, especially in like the past five years, it's changed, but acapella groups are usually kind of like an extension of the choral program at high school. So if they're not mm-hmm. super mm-hmm. into that, they don't have a way in. And hey, I'm I'm a choral music education uh, master's student, so join choir. I, I think it's great. But for kids who just aren't interested in that and are interested solely in Absolutely. acapella, um, like what's the, I, I hope that we can find a way. I hope the system changes so that they can get in the art form earlier. So like you said, that it's structured like like you said a pipeline. Um, you know, how they do it in Canada with like hockey and uh, Malcolm Gladwell's Outliers book, like talks about how they start from like the very youngest and how the skills are built upon through this kind of hierarchy of, okay, you get more time playing if you're just a little bit better and you get, you get all these opportunities. But for kids in elementary school, you know, they have elementary music classes, which is great. And they have mm-hmm. singing components, but it's not like people, you know, they're not going to go out and join a children's acapella group. They might go join a children's choir, but I think there's this feeling of 
maybe this the repertoire isn't appropriate for them or they're not going to learn anything from it uh which is both of those are massive falsehoods i'm actually writing a paper on that right now but um like do you ever think we'll get children's acapella groups aaron you know, I mean, I'm I'm pretty optimistic, I, especially when I compare it to, you know, my own experiences in the, the pre-Civil War era that I was going, <laughs> going to school. Uh, uh, I mean, I, I feel like, you know, when I was figuring this stuff out, it was an album that would get released, you know, here or there. And then you'd go yeah. to the record store and sort of see what was out that sort of seemed kind of interesting. It, you know, between Acaville and services like YouTube that have tons of videos you can check out and, you know, all these kind of places where you can get exposed to the art form and the medium, they just didn't exist before. And so I feel like such a better place than we were before. And I, the trend is clearly moving its way downward in terms of, you know, college was where it was at, high school was where it was at, middle school. I, I feel like it's it's going to take time, but the the trajectory is good. And, you know, your point about sort of the fallacy of not learning from, from acapella the way that you learn from, you know, a Bach motet, for example, is slowly, I think, breaking down as, mm -hmm. you know, folks like you who graduate from a, a program and get certified and licensed and they're teaching and they know acapella and they start, you know, working with the state music teacher associations and the, and the mm -hmm. MEAs and the places like that. And, you know, I, I think it just, it takes time to, to overthrow the world, but I think it will happen. Yeah, I think so too. Cause I'm just kind of looking at this, um, kind of model of, like I said, it sounds like we had kind of similar paths in uh, junior high and high school mm -hmm. and whatnot. If, you know, little Aaron, who that's, it's a weird thing to say. I can only imagine you as you are now. And that's, that's all you've ever been. That's, that's how I uh, believe. That's what I believe. But like, if it's basically just like me, but smaller. Yeah. <laughs> but like if Aaron in middle school in the 1980s had these opportunities and they pretty much only, and all you could really do at that point, based on what was around was start to get interested in the occasional album that came out and you could start developing this desire for acapella, even if you didn't even realize it yet, that that's what you wanted. The groundwork for the interest was laid. That was the foundation compared to John in uh, middle school and kind of being like, yeah, this, this stuff's cool and realizing he liked choir and then getting into high school and being exposed to the high school acapella group and then immediately having an outlet that I could go to there. That contrasts with you having oh, just a choir. I, shouldn't, I should never say just a choir, but in terms of the opportunities for that, uh, we kind of see, okay, you were able, your interest was able to germinate, mine was able to germinate and then be acted upon earlier. What's, you know, the kids who are in junior high now or the kids who are gonna be in junior high 10 years from now, I'm kind of looking at these, uh, these two models we have, then this third potential one, what's going to happen there and what is their experience going to change? How, what will their experience be and how will that affect acapella going forward? Because like you said, if it keeps moving down younger, I think we're going to get more and more kids interested. And then I think we're also going to get more kids who are better at acapella just overall. If the culture is more integrated, uh, younger, when people are really, you know, when kids are learning so much and much, uh, then I think we're going to just get better groups overall, not to say anything about groups as a whole right now, because that's like the biggest generalization right. possible. But I think it all starts younger. And I'm curious to see on this progression of Aaron to John to unnamed 
you know, little kid in 2020 who's in junior high who starts to get interested in acapella. How are these experiences different from one another? What do they say about the culture? And what's that going to say about the future of the acapella world? You know, we were at SoJam not too long yep. ago, and one of the groups that we sat down with at SoJam for uh, our program, The Spotlight, was uh, Vocalite, the Vocalite Five. Mm-hmm. And they're a professional group that got together when several of their members were in high school. Now, there's one of their members still in high school of the five of them. Uh, the others are now graduated and either in college or working full time. But um, they started in high school and they are as professional a group as as any you'll find uh, in terms of sound, in terms of sort of the performances that they put on. And, uh, you know, I think if you look at Tag, if you look at uh, Vocal Rush, if you look at One Voice, if you look at Forte, I mean, you look at some of these yeah. groups that are in high school, they're putting on performances that I think a, a good college group five or six years ago would have been ecstatic to leave on yeah. the stage. And yeah. You know, so I think if we move, if we do turn that clock forward, I, I think what we'll see is more of that, and we'll see probably some some professionalization of the high school levels. There'll be a striation, right? So you'll have mm-hmm. a bunch of groups that are good, you'll have uh, some groups that are really good, you'll have a small number of groups that are outstanding, and you'll have a a little tiny number of groups that are basically pro, pro groups that are in high school. And I think that's probably the next phase, and then the phase after that starts moving that down more more significantly into the middle school area. That's my guess. Yeah, I think, and I think you're right on with that. I think it's really cool to see this development comparing our histories and uh, predicting what's going to come. So that's going to wrap it up for this first segment of Tacapella, talking about Aaron's history and my history and how we can kind of look through those lenses as to what might come in the world of acapella. Aaron, what are we going to be listening to on our break? Well, it is the golden anniversary episode, and we were just talking about tag. So let's put those together. Together and hear actually an original tune that uh, Gabrielle McAfee, who was uh, in Tag, the high school group, wrote uh, and they performed. It's Stay Gold. It's Tag. They see the world in black and white. They see no sound and they taste no light. They'll try to trade your mind for tall tales and wild lies. Battle scarred, but you're not broken. You're full of words, but you're unspoken. It's harder now to be yourself in this pretty plastic world of painted faces on a shelf. Just promise me you'll stay gold for all your life. Just promise me you'll stay.
drummers make a beat we can dance to Michael Wingate here with another segment of Beatbox Corner on Tacapella with Acaville. So this week is going to be a short tutorial. I'm going to talk about the throat kick. <laughs> so basically, it's the heartbeat sound. A lot of people already make this sound, um, and you can intersperse it between sounds to make fills or to do uh, some more like uh, electronic or EDM type uh, sounds and beats. So um, basically, you're just going to like cough. So, <clears throat> but you're going to like keep it more down in your throat. This one is a very hard sound to explain, but most people already know it. So I'm sure that you can fiddle around and find the placement. The I'm sure you can find that placement very easily. You can also try saying the word it, it, it. So just try to keep that sound down in your throat and pulsate it and that's how you make the throat kick. So what I use the sound for is to put it in between sounds to give it more of a fill, to give it more uh, complexity. So I'll put it in between my snares during a build or something like that. So for example, as you can hear in between each snare there's a throat kick. So it really helps fill out a section. You can also just like like I said, like using it as more of like an EDM section, as more of like, uh, you can use it as like a build, an intro. The sound is very, uh, it's very unique and uh, you can use it in a lot of different ways. So that is all for me today. Uh, thank you very much for listening and I hope this helped. I'm Michael Wingate. This has been Beatbox Corner and I will see you all next week. See ya. <laughs>
Hello, everybody. We've been talking with Aaron today on our 50th episode about his experiences and how they kind of uh, say something about the world of acapella now, what it used to be, and where we're going. So obviously, uh, I hope you know this, you are listening to this on Acaville Radio, which is a nonprofit uh, radio station that streams acapella 24-7. You guys probably already knew that, but maybe you don't know how it all got started. And I know bits and pieces of the story just from being in an office next to Aaron for, you know, a couple months <laughs> of the year, which is super fun. Lots of uh, weird ideas back and forth, which is which is always a fun experience. <laughs> um, uh, so Aaron, can you tell us a little bit and tell me the full story of how Acaville got started? Because my first <laughs> encounter with Acaville was in October 2015, I believe, which is when uh, you guys uh, came up to University of Puget Sound, which is kind of your alma mater because you did two years there. Is that correct? Yes. Yep. Two years. I did indeed. I In my heart, still a logger. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, and uh, you recorded, you interviewed both us and uh, both my group, The Timberman and Underground Sound for uh the spotlight and i was like what is this thing and then i searched your site and i was like i i want to do this uh, and that's what i started when i moved back home after i graduated in december 2015 so aaron uh can you give us the full history tell me the whole story of how you started it to how you ended up at you, you don't have to tell me how you ended up at ups i don't think how that is i don't think in the grand <laughs> scheme of Acaville you have a timeline that says Matt John Lampus. Um, <laughs> uh, well, that would certainly be on my timeline. So how did Acaville get started? Well, so uh, you know, I, I sort of alluded earlier in our show that the, the idea for Acaville came out because, um, you know, we internet kind of moves towards streaming media and the ability mm -hmm. to stream audio. And so uh, when Pandora started and some of the other services that allowed you to kind of have curated music that other people put together who presumably knew more about the world of what was out there than I did. Uh, I was really excited about the idea of that and, and the idea of finding some way to hear a cappella music that I didn't otherwise know about. And mm -hmm. so um, I kept kind of returning to this idea of, I want to be able to say to some entity, I want to hear acapella music. Just keep playing it till I tell you to stop. Pick tunes that are good, but tunes maybe that I've heard of or that I haven't heard of. And, you know, you 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 do it. I'll put myself in your hands. And the services that were out there at the time and even today don't really allow you both the kind of curated randomness aspect of it as well as the limitation on limiting it to acapella. And yeah. so – about four, four and a half years ago, uh, sort of in final desperation, uh, I, I was just needing to do something about it. I, I'd been kind of kvetching about it, you know, to myself. I'd kind of been complaining to myself for a long time about uh, wanting to do something about it. Things came up along the way. I went to law school and did the whole law school thing. I did had a, a you know other career doing nonprofit administration, and those were sort of big things that took a lot of mm -hmm. my time and energy, and just didn't have the space to do this too. Yeah. Finally, kind of, you know, everything came together and it was like, okay, this still, no one else has done this yet. And I've got the time to do it. And the technology is such that it can be without spending, you know, a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. And so, um, that's, that all sort of came together about a little over four years ago. We started in, uh, 20 spring of 2013 and the first 
probably six months or so was really just music. I mean, it mm-hmm. was nothing but tunes and, you know, and, and wraparounds and stuff, but basically it was just music programming 24 seven. And then we started adding shows. Um, and we've added, we added a three hour live call in show for a while, uh, called acapellas anonymous, uh, with a host, David Dunphy, who was one of our first live hosts. Uh, we did that for a while. We had started our theme hour. It was one of our first shows that we started oh, the theme uh, hour. That lives on today. Yes. That's it's where become I started. A little infamous because it's, yes, it's a good starting place for our, for our hosts. Um, and, uh, then we started the spotlight almost, almost around that same time. So those are sort of our original shows. And then now these days, of course, we've have shop talk, the two hour barbershop mm-hmm. hour. We have our requests and dedications hour. We have, uh, of course, acapella. We have the theme hour. We have recording acapella that Danny Osmond does, you know, so we've, we've broadened a lot in terms of the programming, but our heart still is at the music and we, you know, we still play probably 20 hours or more every day of just music. And then the rest is programming. And obviously I think the music is where this all kind of comes back to shows like Tacapella and, you know, recording acapella and shop talk and all these things uh, offer perspectives and ideas and new kinds of music, but we're all doing it so we can kind of feed people back into this is why you should listen to the music. So like, I'm curious how, how do you get this like set up? You said, you know, you, you had the time, but like, what do you, what did you, what are the nitty gritties of how, what you had to do to create Acaville? Maybe not like all, don't, don't walk me through all the paperwork. Cause I'm sure there is so, <laughs> so much paperwork, but I'm, I'm curious, like, uh, you know, obviously we're a nonprofit. How, how does something like that get created? Yeah. I mean, it was sort of, there were three or four different kind of buckets of things that you have to kind of figure out. One mm-hmm. is this, the, the big organizational structure, how, you know, if this is going to be a thing and we want it to last a long time, and that was always the intent, then it has to be structured in a way that that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the second bucket is around the, the technology. So in order to have this go 24 hours a day, seven days a week, it has to, to be run by some computer that's actually going to be doing that all around the clock and not just humans because especially when we started we started with you know three volunteers so yeah. the three of us were not going to be awake you know eight hours a day <laughs> you just each take eight doing hours this all the way around the clock <laughs> right <laughs> exactly that was not going to work so the technology was a key part of it um the the legal part was another big part of it around licensing and figuring out how to do that yeah. with streaming media and then the fourth was just sort of the sustainability question of uh, how do we sustain this in a way that is, uh, you know, artistic and that that is has integrity and that also meets our mission around supporting and promoting the acapella community. And yeah. so each of a lot of different kinds of time and effort. Um, you know, the the legal part. You know, we have agreements with ASCAP and BMI and CSAC and Sound Exchange and all the, the the performer rights organizations to allow us to do that. And we pay not insignificant monies uh, <laughs> every year and, and actually more often than that to, to those. Um, the technology stuff, we, we did sort of a month or two of looking at different options and settled on airtime, which is the tool that we use Good to do our broadcast time. automation. But Airtime, it's you know, everyone who does anything with uh, Acaville knows it well. Um, I, what we figured out was that it is great at what it does, but we needed to build a lot of ancillary systems. Yeah. So we built a bunch of additional technology from scratch to do maintaining of our set databases. And to, we built an, an iOS app so that people can listen on the go on their phone. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of that kind of stuff that happened 
along the way. Um, we decided to be a nonprofit because, you know, nobody's getting rich on this thing. And, and there wasn't, frankly, any motivation to do that. We wanted yeah. to be, you know, sustainable. But the goal is about supporting the community. Yep. So it's not really about supporting ourselves. Um, and then the sustainability thing around the artistic part and the community nature um, is probably the part that has evolved the most and continues to evolve. So mm -hmm. it's, you know, how do we resource what we do? How do we keep putting new initiatives out there? How do we kind of stay in touch with what the community wants from us and how do we continue to change and evolve moving forward? And and that's probably the the conversation that yeah. we all kind of keep, that we come back to most often. So this sounds like it was a major, major undertaking because obviously the acapella community is one, and I'm sure I will get, well, I don't know, but I might get messages saying, you generalize this blah, blah, blah too much. But I would say the acapella community is overall a very open place where it's easy to collaborate where it is people know who like it's easy to get to know other people other groups and connect and i think it's a very open community i mean i've posted things on the casa facebook page and just had like deke reply and be like oh you should check this out and i'll be like oh, okay um right but, and making uh this big kind of nonprofit with all this infrastructure behind it with a very you know kind of a broad goal of not just we want to play acapella music um and just like have it be a single place where people can come for that but a place that helps build the community and enriches it that's like a really in-depth and multifaceted mission statement um one that as you said requires a lot of coming back to and being like, okay, how are we meeting the needs of the community now? What are we doing now? How are we reaching out to these people? And these are the organizations that I think are going to enrich, like I said, enrich the community, bring more people into it, and kind of like are just adding more opportunities for people to get involved in the, uh, the greater world of acapella. What are, um, so how I'm, I'm wondering, and I know a little bit about this, but like Aaron, what what do you think Acaville needs to do to always keep kind of maintaining and moving towards that mission statement? Well, I you know first I think I think you're right about the community. I think it's an open, a, a very sharing and and welcoming community. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I think back to our first trip for the spotlight. It was uh, we went down to the Bay Area. We had just invested all this money in recording equipment and. Uh, Boy, we had, I think it would be charitable to say a vague idea of what it was we were doing. Uh -huh. <laughs> uh, and we, you know, we slept down to the Bay Area to sit down with, with, with groups and everybody. And, you know, we managed to get a sit down there with some great collegiate groups. We sat down when we were there with the Bobs which mm -hmm. is a, a pretty impressive pro group that has been going for 30 years at that time. And, uh, you know, and sat down with some impressive folks uh, in an, the acapella world sort of across the region. And yeah. they didn't know who we were. Heck, we barely knew who we were, <laughs> you know. Uh, so I, I think that that piece of it, I don't think, can be understated because it's that mm -hmm. kind of welcoming atmosphere that had enabled us to sort of get more involved with the community. Uh, and so I appreciate that. And the other piece I would just say very quickly to that and then. I actually will, I promise, answer the question you asked me. Um, the, the other piece I just would have to say is, you know, this is a, a an effort that has been borne by several great volunteers. You know, we're a team. We have a ton of really, really strong folks that are 
doing this as a passion project. You know, no one gets paid for doing Acaville, and I, this would not have been possible up to this point, let alone the great things that we're hoping to do in the future mm-hmm. without of folks that are, are willing to spend, you know, two or three hours a week on helping out and, and serving the community by helping us out. So I, I, I don't want to get too far into this without thanking them and recognizing that they, you know, our volunteer team does just a ton of work and I appreciate it. So They're great. Um, uh, absolutely. Uh, you know, to, to your question about sort of how do we kind of figure out what people want and how do we kind of stay ahead of that? what we do is spend as much time talking to people as possible. You know, as the host of the spotlight, I get a chance to sit down with somewhere around a hundred or so groups and artists a year yeah. uh, and sit down with them for, you know, 45 minutes to an hour each. And so I get a chance to hear about where people are when we sit down for competition countdown, you know, that's another 150 groups that we sit down with for less time, but uh, you know, we still get a chance to kind of hear about, where they are and what they're doing and what they might want out of the community that they're not getting. Um, you know, talking with folks from organizations like AEA, the Mm Occupational Education Association and, and other groups that are, are doing interesting things and trying to support the community. I think this is a, you know, it's a group effort. We all need to kind of, to work together, especially, uh, especially all the, the nonprofit organizations. You know, there are some great for-profit organizations that serve the Alcabella community. And, and mm-hmm. I, I think they're great, but I also feel like there's a special place for those of us that are doing it on a nonprofit basis and really are just about serving the the world of Acapella. And I think it's uh, like you said, and like I mentioned, the world of Acapella is also, it's really nice that it's one that wants to be served, as silly as that sounds. I think it says something, like you said, about um, how open and accepting the community is when I that I can just email people, you know, acapella, you know, bigwigs and giants out of the blue and just be like, hey, do you want to come on my show and just talk about stuff? And that not only says something about how open mm. the community is, but how passionate everyone is because we're not like a giant community. We are not as big as like the American Choral Directors Association or anything like that. Right. Um, but it says something about how much everyone wants to make it grow and wants to enrich it when they'll come on a show and just talk about what they do for, you know, uh, 45 minutes, which is super cool and super inviting and super kind of them. And it seems like the community as a whole recognizes like, hey, we are this kind of small, you know, blip in the world right now. And we're getting bigger and we have momentum and we want to ride that momentum. And how do we ride that momentum? And we're going to do it like this. We're going to do it through creating nonprofits, through appearing on shows, Mm -hmm. through uh, empowering others, through creating opportunities for all kinds of people who want to be involved in acapella. And I think all this, uh, Acaville is sustained, you know, Acaville is not just for the community. It's empowered by the community because the community is mm-hmm. so passionate about this very particular art form. I think that's right. And and I think the key is inclusion. I, yeah. You know, I feel like by if the more that we try to, and I, and I don't think we do, and I think people are usually pretty good about avoiding this, but I think the more kind of barriers that get put up, the more we're keeping people out. Yep. At the very time, what we want to be doing is bringing everybody in. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, that's part of why one of the things that we do at Acaville and try to do is to break down some of the silos between, for example, contemporary acapella, sort of traditional collegiate kind of stuff and barbershop. And, you know, two worlds that don't necessarily cross pollinate as much as they could or should. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, post collegiate groups and harmony sweep kind of groups with collegiate and pre-collegiate groups, scholastic groups. And, you know, there are a lot of these kinds of uh, sort of parts in the constellation of 
a cappella that don't necessarily relate to each other as much as they could. And mm-hmm. I think that's part of the more that we can do to bring people in and bring people together, the more we all come out ahead. Boom. I think there's no better way to end this segment of Tacapello than with that sentiment. We are going to be right back. We're going to listen to Amanda Tran on Notable Coverage. Spin us some tunes. I've never used the word spin as a verb like that before. I'm not sure how I felt about it (laughs) right there. Um, But Amanda Tran's going to play us some tunes and compare them from Notable Coverage. We've been talking with Aaron Director of Acaville, uh, and we're going to be right back here on Tacapello. You're listening to community-supported Acaville Radio, streaming acapella around the clock at acaville.org. Acaville, leave the instruments at the door. What's up, everyone? Amanda Tran here, and I'm your host to Notable Coverage, a segment you can find only here on Tacapella. In this show, we discuss the most popularly covered songs in the acapella world, and I break down the best versions that I've heard thus far. For episode five, we're going to take a look at Royals, famous or potentially infamous in the acapella world. It's uh, originally performed by Lord and was released in June of 2013. So what makes a song so acapella-able, per se? Is it the rhythms that are easily recognized and translated into vocal percussion, the sparse intros leading into instrumental or vocal buildups, or maybe it's the tons and tons of vocal layering in the original song that triggers an acapella arranger to arrange it for their group. The very first time I heard the song Royals on the radio, I was automatically drawn in by how it didn't sound like anything else on the radio at that time. And it's always so refreshing and exciting to hear new female voices on alternative radio, so I was definitely a fan. Now, with all that being said, Royals is completely overdone in the acapella world since June 2013, all the way up until the last ICCDA season. I've heard tens and tens of groups do this song. I don't know what it is about this song, but there is a magic to it and people are still performing it. If you've had a group since June 2013, you've probably done this. My group, C-Note, has even done this song. Um, I just want to put it out there that we did do before Pentatonix, which is the first version we're going to look at. Um, this sticks out. Pentatonix is, I mean, if you're listening to this radio station, you know they're one of the best contemporary groups, if not the best contemporary groups that we've ever had in the acapella world. They've crossed over and have done it so gracefully. Their version, although not that much more unique than any of the other versions that are out there, Stands out because they are five incredibly talented vocalists. You already knew that. Their voices solo and blend flawlessly together. And I don't really have to say anything else about them because they're pretty much flawless. We are caught up in your love affair. And we'll never be royals. version of Royals is by the Florida State University Acabells. Now this version was done live in a classroom it seems like and it went viral on YouTube. It has over 9 million views which is crazy for an acapella video. 
Um, and that's why I point this one out because the importance of doing a song very timely is, I can't say enough about it. If you like a song and you know it's going to be popular and you're trying to get tons of views on it, arrange it right away and release it right away. The ladies of the Acabells did just that and their version of Royals got tons of coverage. Not to say that it is unique or so innovative in any way, but the performance and arrangement is super clean, super straightforward, and very easy listening. So here you go. Muffins and I, we've cracked the code. We count our dollars on the train to the party. And there you have it. Two versions of Royals originally performed by Lord in the style of acapella that you should probably know about. If there are any other versions or arrangements that I need to hear, please do let me know because I am dying to hear a version of Royals that I am taken aback by. Um, tweet me at Amanda Tran Rocks. That's at Amanda Tran R-O-C-K-S. I look forward to hearing from you and I look forward to seeing you again here on Notable Coverage next time. Thanks. Bye. And welcome back to Tacapella. This is your host, John Lampus, on Acaville Radio's weekly talk show. Today, I have been talking with our fearless leader, the Acaville founder himself, Aaron Director, all about the world of acapella, how Acaville and his experiences all fit into that crazy jumble that we really love. Uh, Aaron, if people want to see what Acaville is all about, how can they do that? Uh, well, I'm, I'm so happy you asked, John. Uh, <laughs> yes, you can check us out, of course, uh, at acaville.org. Uh, you can see the, the program schedule there. You can listen from there. Uh, it's all available on the web. Uh, we have folks who listen on their Apple TVs. We have folks who listen on our iOS app. Uh, for Android users, we suggest you can download the free TuneIn app. It's from TuneIn Radio, and they uh, we sort of partner with them, and you can search for Acaville and listen that way too. And you can hear all about our, our new membership program that yeah. we just rolled out as well pretty recently. The, the program is pretty exciting. I must say uh, we've been sort of back and forth about how we want to make it work and what we want to do with it in the last couple of years, and I think we've really figured out a nice model. Members get uh, a bunch of additional fun things to all of our programs back episodes anytime they want on demand uh, we actually post new episodes of the programs to our members before they are aired in their regularly weekly time slot so mm -hmm. you get a little jump start on that when we do, do live streaming and we do do, we're doing more and more live streaming of concerts and events and competitions from around the world. Uh, then we stream that uh, often in video form to our members. Yeah. And uh, so that's pretty cool. So if you wanted to see, you know, uh, the Spookapella that we did from D.C. or the Bob's final concert, their retirement concert, and you wanted to both see and hear it, uh, members get a chance to do that as well. And we try to make the membership levels really accessible too. So it's like, 
you know, it starts at five bucks a month. It's really easy to do. It's a cup of coffee. Uh, and the bottom line is you're supporting the nonprofit. You're supporting Occupy. Yep. We, we really appreciate that. And uh, Tacapella is on those episodes that you can stream on demand. So please check them out. It's uh, it's pretty cool. Uh, we post these episodes, you know, uh, every week or every other week. And I really hope people can go back through and listen to episodes they want. And they're not just out there in the ether forever. Uh, you can listen to them whenever you want. So consider joining the Acaville membership program. It's really great. Uh, again, if you want to get a hold of me, you can find me on Twitter or Instagram. I don't think anyone's literally ever sent me an Instagram message, but on Twitter <laughs> at uh, both of those at John Lampus. Uh, if you're interested in being on Tacapella, have an idea for an episode, have a question you want us to answer on our upcoming seg- segment, Greg's Take, right after this, have a song you want Amanda to play, have a beatbox technique uh, you want Michael to go over, that is all all possible. We're really trying to make Tacapella a program for the community. So if you want something, we will put it on no matter what. I take that part out. Not no matter what. That's that's a caveat I should not <laughs> include. But if it's cool, we'll do it. Aaron, thank you so much for coming on Tacapella today for our 50th episode. Hey, thanks, John. And congratulations again on the big 5-0. It's quite an achievement. Well done. Thank you very much. And thank you for letting me make this show and have it on the station. Uh, everyone, that is it for Talk Bell today. That's it for our 50th episode. Thank you so much for listening and for everything acapella. Please stay tuned and let's take it over to Greg with Greg's Take. You're listening to community-supported Acaville Radio, streaming acapella around the clock at acaville.org. Acaville, giving listeners worldwide something to sing about. And welcome back to Talk Appella. This is Greg's Take, the segment in which I answer your listener questions. So this week we will get through two questions, I promise. We only got through one last week because it was a bit of a doozy, but we'll get through two this time. So we're going to jump right in with this first one, which is what is the best way to handle solo auditions? So I think what's really important with solo auditions is, first of all, a bit of groundwork in advance. And that's, you know, figuring out how you're going to go about deciding the soloists, you know, what you're going to look for in the soloists, and then also who's going to decide. Is it just going to be the people who aren't auditioning or will the soloists get to vote for themselves or someone else? And how many votes will each person get? So I think it's important to lay some of the groundwork like that and also to pick a segment of the song that's representative of the entire song. So if you just pick um, a part of the song that's very high, you know, higher than the rest of the song in terms of pitch, then singers with higher voices might have an advantage and that might not really be representative of how they sound in the rest of the piece. So these are just some things to keep in mind. More importantly, though, I think it's very important for the group to reiterate the idea that results of solo auditions should not be taken personally. If a member of the group tries very hard and doesn't get a solo, it does not mean that they're not good at singing or that they're not a valuable member of the group. It just might mean that the group as a whole was looking for something different in terms of that solo. So I think just reminding people about that is important. And one more thing I would add is that the group should decide whether they want to spread out solos to make sure that everyone or almost everyone who tries out at some point gets an opportunity, or if they want to basically have one, two, or three soloists who get all the solos. Because 
if a group wants to spread things out a little bit, then maybe if someone who already has a soul or two souls tries to try out for another one, someone could say to the person, hey, you know, let's, let's let someone else have a chance. One last thing about it is to keep in mind that nerves will be running pretty high, a lot of tension. So just try and keep a positive atmosphere during solo auditions and try and make them as low-key as possible, I would say. The next question is, how can I get my group members to show up on time? So this is definitely an important one, because especially in smaller groups, if someone is late, that means you could be missing an entire part, and it's hard to rehearse, you know, with parts missing. So I think one of the best things to do is to establish a policy about showing up on time very early on, making it a very clear expectation of the group from the beginning, and... If you do have members that are showing up late, I think it's really important to talk to them, to not delay on that, to get right on them and say, hey, you know, we can't rehearse effectively if we have people missing, so we need you to show up on time. And if it turns out that you're having a lot of problems in your group with many members not showing up on time, maybe have a group conversation about when to hold rehearsals, because it could be that rehearsals are taking place at a time that's really not convenient for people. And if that's the case, then I would say the group would need to have a discussion about what the most convenient time for everyone is, and if it's too late in the day or too early in the day, maybe consider moving it slightly. Find a time that will work the best for everyone, and there's probably no perfect time, but find a time that is at least the most doable for everyone. And if if someone really does have a time conflict, it may just be the case that they won't be able to be in the group that particular semester. But communicate about these issues, about issues of time. Communicate the importance of showing up punctually. And that does it for this week of Greg's Take. If you have a listener question you would like me to address next week or at a later time, feel free to email me at gastarr at seattleschools.org or follow me on Twitter at GregStarsTake. You can also check out Acaville Radio on Twitter. But until next week, take some time to listen to acapella. <laughs> Then that time I went and said goodbye And then you won't forget out of shame to cry Baby, here I am, side seal delivered I'm yours, baby, I'm yours You got my future in your hand, baby I'm yours, and I'm gonna be yours And here I am, baby I'm not going to be able to do it. I'm not going to be able to do it. I'm not going to be able to do it. I'm not going to be able to do it. I'm not going to be able to do it. I'm not going to be able to do it. I'm not going to be able to do it. I'm not going to be able to do it. I'm not
Sign sealed delivered on yours.